Welcome to Ed's Edge, the podcast to help you live the life you've always wanted. I want to give you an edge, a financial edge. I'm Ed Meek. I'm a financial advisor with a passion to help you retire early, save more, and live better. It's often the little things, small behaviors, that can change our lives. That's the power of a financial edge. The nuts and the bolts, the foundation of retirement, right at retirement. This particular podcast is by far the one I've been most excited for, by far the one that I believe is the most important so far. And the reason is because when you get to retirement, all of the decisions that you make, they're so important and they put you on this trajectory that makes it even more successful or less successful. If you get this right, if you pick up these gems that we are going to tell you, it is huge. It will put you in that peace of mind, in that place that will help you accomplish that big question that everyone has, which is, do I have enough? Am I going to be okay? Am I not going to run out of money? That's what we're going to try to help you with today. So I want to bring in James. James, when we were working on this, what was it about this particular one that, that was important to you? Yeah, great question. So, you know, we were talking about all these different areas that that we'll we'll cover here soon and and why is it so important, right? So you talk about trajectory ad and how important that trajectory is. Well, when I first started in this industry, uh, you know, it was 2008. I think we know what happened in 2008, the housing market, right? The housing market crash. I specifically saw firsthand several people who didn't have the right trajectory. I saw very wealthy individuals uh, panic, and I saw several people have to go back to work, and that resonated with me. You know, I vowed to myself at that time, I do not want anyone that is working with me to experience what I saw when I first got into business. So very important podcast, very powerful. Uh, please, please, please pay attention to this one. This will help you quite a bit. Well, you didn't ever want anyone to experience that again. Unfortunately, if you were like me, when I was working with a lot of people, and I still have been, it still continues to happen to this day, right? I mean, the reason is because we're going to address some of these things here. And if you just get these things down, it will literally put you in a much better position. So you don't have to go back to work, or you don't have to actually change how much income you're taking. Agreed. Completely agree. You know, the first part of this podcast series that we're, we're taping here, uh, we wanted to cover was all around mindset, about having the right approach mentally. You know, these next two uh, are going to talk about the financial end. And as you're mentioning, a lot of these financial pieces combined together are going to make a huge impact in the longevity of your money. The analogy I use, a lot of people, when we talk to them, they think uh, like it's playing a game of checkers. Every piece is the same. I need to build up a certain amount of money. And after I build up that money, uh, I just take it. I take it out when I need it and I'll be well, right? It's not like checkers. It's like chess. Chess is a very different game. Ed jokes with me all the time. He calls me a chess nerd. I used to teach chess way back when. Um, but there's a lot of correlations here. Every piece is different. They move differently. But if you combine them together, you're going to be in a much better shape. You're going to win that game. 
I mean, it's like checkers is a couple of layers deep and chess is, I don't know how many layers deep, but it's many, many more. That's really what we're talking about. Many people think, hey, you know, I just put the money in some investments. I'd start taking the amount of money I want. And uh, you could certainly do that, but it, it's a very different ball game if you look at the things we're going to go through. So, so let's just jump right in. The first one is by far the most important and the one you have to get right to put you on that great trajectory. It's turning on the faucet of retirement income from all the sources that we talked about in the previous podcast. And this is the king, the king daddy, the king of chess. And what do we want to do with that king? We want to protect it. We want to protect that king at all costs. So all other pieces that we're playing are going to strive towards attacking the other king and protecting our own king, right? So, you know, when we think about that retirement income plan, step number one is thinking through the expenses. Sounds very simple, right? Well, I would highly stress write these expenses down first on an annual basis and break it down into two pieces. We like to call it need money, money that is going to be out the window, out the door, no matter what. Those are potentially mortgages, bills you have to pay, you know, et cetera, et cetera, cable bills, what have you, right? Then we have want money. Want money is money that might be flexible, right? It might be vacations that you want to take. It might be cars that you want to buy, right? Other aspects of that. And Ed, you've always talked to me when we first got together uh, about how to incorporate not just annual expenses, but some expenses that come across every, what, five, six, seven, sometimes 10 years, right? Yeah. In fact, we just, we have uh, uh, some clients we just met with recently. And what they have done in this last year is they have entered into that phase where they turn on the faucet, they have all of those expenses they know are their needs. And then, and then what we did was I asked them, you, you know, you're going to be going on vacation, so you're going to have a certain amount for vacation, but then they also have this desire every few years to take a really big one, bring their whole family, their kids, their grandkids. So that's like a separate thing that you have to uh, get ready for. And then the third thing is they have a basket of grandkids that they've been giving money to into their 529 college savings account. And a couple of the kids have fallen off, meaning they graduated and the other ones are coming up. And so what we did was we made sure we allocated those expenses just for that period of time. And then there's the expenses about a car. Some people like to buy a car every three years, some people every 10 years. And so you want to figure these things in there because they dramatically affect Am I, that question, am I going to run out of money? Because some of the needs and the wants, they're completely different. It's super duper important to get all of that done. You know, uh, the worst thing, in my opinion, are those unplanned costs, not just those uh, car expenses, what have you, but fridge goes out, right? Furnace goes out, uh, you know, other unplanned uh, expenses, Medicare costs, right? We're going to talk about that a little bit later on, too. So we always recommend, in addition to the, the need money and that want money, is add a little buffer on there just for those unplanned expenses. That's going to go a long way into that trajectory that we're talking about. 
Well, I, you know, just this summer, and this is what happens is we have this basket of clients that a handful of clients that when we ask them this, they give us the income that they think they need. And then all of a sudden we randomly once or twice a year get a call, you know, this summer got a call from the client. Hey, I have this on my summer home, needed a chunk of money to fix this, do that. And it wasn't a part of the plan. And, you know, once in a rare while, that's really not going to affect things, but you do that every year, an extra 10, an extra 20,000, an extra whatever, and it will affect the plan long-term. It, it's huge. Imagine that every single year, people are now retiring in their sometimes 50s, sometimes 60s, once in a while in their 70s, but they're going to live 30, 40 years. That's a long period of time. If you get it wrong and you keep taking out more and more income than you say you're going to, then you're not going to have it in the end. You know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that 30, 40 years, right? It ties into the final point here which is make sure you account for inflation. We've talked about that in other podcasts. Uh, inflation is so important. So some of that need money might not incorporate inflation. For example, a mortgage might cost the same. It might be the same mortgage costs the entire time, right, if you've got that fixed amount. But everything else basically has inflation, Ed. Well, I mean, we do this sometimes, James, right? When we work with people and we'll, and that, let's say somebody says, oh, I want to take out, I need $8,000 a year in income, but, but they're still 15 years away. And when we actually show them that $8,000 in today's dollars, they really are going to be needing to take out like twelve dollars or $13,000 a month when, when they actually retire in order to make it to be able to buy the same dollars today. People just don't realize that. It's, it, it really is hugely impactful. Inflation changes everything. You know, everyone asks me too, well, what's the inflation amount I should use, right? Somewhere between 2 and 3%, I say, is pretty fair, wouldn't you say? Right. I mean, in the, uh, in the 80s, you know, inflation was super high. We, we, we don't really expect that to probably happen in our lifetime. You never know. And the reason is because the government has seemed to be able to get a handle on how to control that a little bit better. Rates got extremely low like they are today. And, and, and they're going to go up some. But, you know, that 2 to 3% is probably a pretty good mark. And if for some reason things change in the future and it ends up a little higher, then we can always adjust for that. People can adjust for that. But it's just something to keep in mind. Yeah. So in conclusion, step number one, create a list of expenses, both annually, both semi-annually, so on and so forth. Account for inflation. And keep in mind, with those expenses, have need money, have want money. So now let's get to the point of starting to take income out. The first, the base piece of income is Social Security. doesn't matter when you retire, whether you're in your 50s or 60s, but you do have to make that decision. That decision is between age 62 and age 70. I've alluded to this in past podcasts, but this one's huge. This one can be tens of thousands, if not even potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars difference if you make this decision correctly or not. And why I say that is because if you push it off and you take it later on, closer to 70 or age 70, and you happen to live in your 80s, you will get significantly more, a lot more. So I think we have a great story that has to do with Social Security that's a little bit nuanced from this, but uh, James, why don't you tell it? You bet. Very specific example here, but important to note the complexity of Social Security. Most people underestimate that. We had a client just recently who was divorced. Uh, she never remarried, and she's approaching that Social Security age. She's 61 right now. Because of the fact that she was divorced and never remarried, furthermore, was married for at least 10 years, that's another rule to abide by, she was able to claim part of her 
ex-husband's social security. Did she Uh, have any idea about this? She had no idea. And so when we looked at it, she called the Social Security Administration and found out she could actually claim uh, you know, part of her ex-husband's Social Security at starting at 62. And so that had no effect on her own Social Security, by the way. So she's starting to take Social Security next year from her ex-husband, allows her to wait to your exact recommendation until 70, and she collects all that money from 62 until 70 without touching her own. And this is a significant amount of money. This is six figures amount yes, of money. exactly. Right. So big that it's super important, this whole Social Security decision. Now, not everyone that comes across making this decision will be able to make that big of a difference, but sometimes it is. And even if it's not, even if it ends up uh, being five or ten or $20,000 difference, that's still a lot of money. That's a lot of money that people, everybody's interested in. The next type of income stream is other forms of guaranteed income. Yeah, so pensions, we've talked about that in prior podcasts. Some are fortunate to have those. Uh, Annuities as well, if you have some of those, when to start turning that on, right? Rental properties, that's another piece. You know, all of that combined with Social Security are those guaranteed streams of income that don't touch your investments. So important to keep that separate outside of your investments that you are going to be getting on a monthly basis. The next piece to consider is looking at all of your different types of assets, whether it's real estate, whether it's retirement accounts, taxable accounts, CDs, checking accounts, taking an inventory on what you have uh, is really uh, the the final driving force. As a matter of fact, yesterday, we, we had this with some clients that came in. The husband is the one who tends to know and understand and has everything in QuickBooks and looks at the accounts and the and the wife doesn't. So what I did was up on our whiteboard wall, I kind of laid out where all of their assets that they lit that they owned in every way, shape, or form on the white wall so they could see what was illiquid, what was not illiquid, and then what are they going to take their income from in addition to that social security and those other forms of income. And so on the left, I said, here's the illiquid stuff, the stuff that you have in your houses that you don't plan on ever using to live off of. They're not generating income for you. But then in the middle, I showed them all of the money they have in investments that's going to be their workhorse, that's going to generate that income, that's going to be that faucet that we always talk about that you turn on and take the income from. And then lastly, just the money that they have in personal items that that you can't access And that's pretty much it. And it was a great way for them to kind of see that here is where we're going to give you your income from. And you need to do that as well when you lay everything out there. What I was also able to tell them is for some reason that that they ran into a situation where they needed more income or something changed, they do have all of the equity in those houses. They don't have any more mortgages. And if for some reason they ever needed more, then we know that we can tap into that. Now, not everybody's going to have that that luxury, but when you look at it that way, then you can see it from the big picture, and that's really important. Yeah, that's powerful. So outside of staying organized, uh, getting organized perhaps is the better way to say it, is it helps with the distribution strategy. You know, when you lay it out that way, you have some IRA accounts that are tax-deferred, maybe some tax-free accounts, that'd be wonderful, along with taxable accounts. Uh, figuring out the right amount to take out of every account is critical. Well, this is actually so important 
for, for everyone to make sure they understand. If you have money in both taxable accounts and retirement accounts, and what that means is taxable accounts are, are money that you have in anything that you have to pay taxes on it while it's being generated every year. Dividends are being paid off from either bonds or stocks, or there's capital gains that you're incurring from investments. All of those things you can control to a certain extent, but you have to pay taxes on those. And then any investments that you have in a retirement account, an IRA or a 401k or anything that's deferred, those you can control. And so what a lot of people will do is they won't fully put together a plan and what way can I minimize the taxes? You, Where you have your investments, if, for example, somebody has half their money in stocks and half their money in bonds, Oftentimes, it's really important to own those stocks in, outside of the retirement account because they don't generate much income. They don't generate much in capital gains if you do it the right way. And then own your bonds inside the, the IRA account. This is what happened uh, for some clients recently. And what I did was I just put it up again on the whiteboard to show them to say, we can control how much you take out of your IRA and you have all of this money in your trust. And we don't want to run out of all the money in your trust, because if you run out of that, then in the future, let's say five, 10 years down the road, all the income that you get is now 100% taxable every single time you, t you need money, you take it out of your IRA. You don't want to be in that situation. Now, some people have all their money in retirement accounts. They can't control this. But if you don't, you want to make sure you come up with a game plan on how to control that going forward. You know, it, it's funny. It always reminds me of the, the concept. It's not what income you get. It's what income you keep. And so I think that's, that's a really good point. You mentioned with those examples, you know, how, the importance of asset location. How are we going to distribute it to minimize taxes? We don't want to pay Uncle Mort, Sam more, more than we have to, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Which kind of brings us now into the second most important thing, and that is making sure you have the proper investment mix. And, and what would be the, the chess piece that would fit this, James? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I'm really glad you asked, actually. I would call it the queen. Uh, for those chess players out there, the queen is the offensive piece, right? So we have the income plan. That's our defense. We're laying everything out. We've got the variable, which is our investments, once we, once we have that all distributed. The queen is the offense. So how are we going to invest our money? It is very different than before when we're not retired, when we need growth. Growth and income are two different things. So let's not get that confused. This is a mind shift, a really big mind shift. We often will have people come to us and talk about how the stock market, let's say, averages high single digits. And they'll say, well, if it averages high single digits to take out five, six percent a year, and there'll still be a couple extra percent. It doesn't really work that way. And the reason is because once you get to this place in retirement, the volatility of the stock market dramatically affects this investment mix situation. We cannot afford to have massive volatility. Yeah. So I like to call it the false return assumption. You know, if you think back to, this is true, 2000, to 2009, the end of 2009, right? An entire decade. It is well known in our industry as the lost decade. What that really means is stocks did not gain any value during the entire 10 years. We had two, two market drops during that time. And so if you had that expectation of, say, an 8% return, 
and you took out, what, 5% a year, and you were all in stocks, well, let's say you take out 5% a year times 10 years, let's, let's do the math, carry the two, right? 50% less money you would have. Well, in reality, what happens here is, and I tell people this, you, you wouldn't just keep taking that income out. What it does is it just blows up your, your whole plan. You, you get scared or you keep taking income for a year or two and then you start pulling back and then you, you change your lifestyle or you get a job or whatever. And so what we're trying to do is we're just trying to prevent all of those things from happening. You literally can prevent almost all of these things from happening if you just follow these guidelines. And this one is huge. You need to understand what's a proper amount of income that you can take out and have the right mix of investments so they're not fluctuating all over the place. If you if you actually had a, a year where the market went down 30% and you took out 7 or 8%, you'd be down at least 38 maybe 40% because it was dropping. I guarantee you, after losing 40%, you're going to be very gun shy to be taking out that same exact amount of money the next year. Yeah, that definitely hurts. You know, which brings up uh, my favorite sport in the world, baseball. When you're taking income, it's no longer about hitting any home runs. We just cannot afford to strike out, especially with that money that you're needing for yourself and for your lifetime. This this idea of stability of returns is so much more important than than higher returns. I specifically remember. Back uh, back about 20 years ago, my dad had worked at this company, and when I was at Fidelity Investments and I was helping a lot of people who were looking to retire, there was one other advisor that would talk to these people. I would talk to them, I would talk to these people, and then he would also talk to them. And what he did was he promised the moon. He was promising the, the, the stock market, just like you said, the lost decade. Well, in the 90s, it was the exact opposite. It was an incredible decade. It was in the end of the 90s. The stock market averaged mid double digits in the mid-teens, and it was spectacular. So all of these stock investments looked incredible. Their three and five and 10-year numbers were like, oh, making huge amounts of money. And he would just say to them, you know what? You could take out so much income from this. And the reason was because he just wanted the business so bad. He promised them the moon. And unfortunately, these people, it destroyed their situation. They were going back to work or they were, it was, it was totally affecting him in such a negative way that it put him in a really bad spot. And so I ended up not helping some of these people because they wanted to go with what sounded better. They thought that what he could do was better. They were ignorant enough where they just didn't fully understand. And we don't want any of you to be in that spot. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great uh, example, very unfortunate circumstance that that happened. But if you find yourself reading something that's promising what seems to be too good to be true in terms of returns, it probably is. It probably is. So just make sure you double check things. Make sure that you look at your goals, your income. That is the most important thing in retirement above anything else. Don't chase anything. The last thing we wanted to cover today is a health care game plan. This is a migraine for everybody. Dalai Lama said it best when asked what the most surprising thing about humanity was. He gave the following response. Man, because he sacrifices his health in order to make money, then he sacrifices his money in order to recuperate his health. Let that sink in. 
One of my takeaways from that, James, is don't sacrifice your health. Even in retirement, even in making this decision about retirement, oftentimes people will come to us and they will say, I'm going to keep working until age 65 to make sure I get to Medicare because it's so expensive to pay for health care before then. And that might be the case, but sometimes we actually find out that we can still help them retire earlier and be able to pay for their health insurance. It's just something to look at. Don't just make that blanket statement without looking into it and making sure. Because even that unto itself is not healthy. If you're continuously working and stressing out just to get to that age, it may not be worth the trade-off. It's really important to look at that. Yeah. So, you know, when I when I think about what you just said there, there is the mental health aspect of it, you know, working too long, not just the physical health. They tie together. Final and very important point when it comes to healthcare. Right after you turn 64, definitely you want to look at all of your Medicare options. Why are we so passionate about that? It is very difficult, once you set yourself up with Medicare, it is very difficult to change certain things. We don't want to get into all the specifics of that, but you set up your game plan for Medicare. There's all different options. It's difficult to change some of those options if circumstances change if you get it done wrong in the first place. So we actually have our clients partner up with a Medicare expert. We'd highly recommend that you talk with either an agent or a Medicare uh, person to make sure you set yourself up for healthcare, for Medicare before 65. This is imperative. You can talk to a healthcare agent that works with all types of plans. And if they're an expert, that's great. But we really, really want to make sure that you see an expert in this area. And we have found one, and there's a handful that are out there that that's all they do. They literally just talk to people as they're entering into that age 65. Yep, completely agree. Completely agree. Now, if you are still working past 65, and then you decide to retire, that's, of course, you want to take a look at that at that time, too. You'll be collecting your own benefits while working. But Medicare, when you first sign up for it, make sure you get it done right. In recapping, I know it's a lot of information we threw at you today. It is. Think of this journey, this retirement journey. First off, going back to our episode one, don't let the pressure exceed the pleasure. Enjoy this, right? We understand it's a lot of work. We understand it can be overwhelming. Think about it like building your own house. When you build your house, there's a lot of work involved at first. But what does that end product look like? Once this is complete and set up the way it needs to be set up, it's time to enjoy. Yeah, I have a friend who has been for two years, bought some land, tore down the old house. Now for two years has been working on building the house. Moved in last weekend and you know he's beaming. It's great. And that's the way you have to look at it for this retirement thing. All of these things are super important. His wife kind of acted as the contractor. They bought some of the materials themselves. They got some experts for other things. And that's the way you got to look at it here. Some people want the general contractor to do everything. That's when you hire the professionals and have them do everything. But you want to make sure you get these things right. They're so, so important. That brings us to food for thought. Now, James, I have a question for you. Okay. Bananas. Does your son like bananas? Yes. Eggs. Does he like eggs? Yes. So this is not something I've been doing very long. Literally in the last week, I came across this 
recipe. I saw it as a video. Half a banana with an egg, stirred up like a scrambled egg, and then put in a pan that's on medium and cooked like a pancake. It's called a banana cake. I I kid you not, it is a sweet banana tasting pancake kind of mix. And you wouldn't think that because it doesn't have the flour in it. It's very healthy. And I mean, I've decided two or three times a week as I take off, you know, in the morning, that's what I'm going to make. And I heard kids absolutely love it. Most kids do like bananas. In fact, the favorite thing that my kids had when they were young eating, I don't know if your son loves these, the, uh, the bananas in the jar. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the, I still buy those actually at Jewel uh, when we go grocery shopping because my son will eat two or three of them because he thinks they're great. But uh, I would encourage you to try the banana cake. It's super easy. Literally, like what I just said was how you do it. Just make it, smush it all up. Make sure you you smush up the, uh, the banana. So coming from a person who's a terrible cook, what I'm hearing is banana, egg, pan, mush it all together. Create it like a pancake. In a bowl. In a bowl first. If you can't do this one, James, that's very sad. Okay. (laughs) Scout's honor. I will do my best. All right. (laughs) Well, thanks, everyone, so much for listening. Appreciate the time. Uh, We'll talk to you next time. I have been slapped on my hand one too many times by my compliance attorney. This is to put me in good standing. This podcast represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time, should not be relied upon as investment advice, and is not intended to predict or depict performance of any investment. Any specific recommendations or comparisons that are made as to particular securities or strategies are for illustrative purposes only and are not meant as investment advice for any viewer.